0: hello bookworms and book boogies and welcome back to bookworm boogies the new fabulous um book club i book coming your way i am carmela size your fabulous host for this hostess host with this fabulous podcast and today is the day we're going to be getting into our first set series harry potter harry potter by jk rowley so with this first book um harry potter and the sorcerer's stone um i'm going to be reading the first chapter for this episode and more chapters down the line at the end of every episode i will be telling you um not the date, but like when the next episode is gonna be, what chapter is called, when's the next one gonna be, and so on and so forth. And we're gonna be at the end of this, we're gonna be giving a shout-out to another college YouTuber, celebrity, anybody who has shaped and changed my life around. Alright, so first let's get into Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's stuff. Harry Potter in general is about this boy, the boy who lived, 11-year-old boy, who starts his school year out, and he's surviving the Dark Lord, and he goes through this test of finding something, the stone that has something to do about the resurrection of one word, spoiler alert, and so he finds out that he's a wizard, just like his parents, and we will get into that later on, But he finds out he's a wizard, and he goes through this magical journey, and he learns about his past, learns about other kinds of stuff. And so, yes, now it is time to dive in. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone by J.K. Rowling. Chapter 1. The Boy Who Lived. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of Number 4 Privet Drive were proud to say that they were perfectly normal. "'Thank you very much. "'They were the last people you expect to be involved "'in anything strange or mysterious "'because they just didn't hold with, with such nonsense. "'Mr. Dursley was the director of a firm called Grunnings, "'which made drills. "'He was a big, beefy man with hardly any neck, "'although he did have a large, very large mustache. "'Mrs. Dursley was thin and blonde, And had nearly twice the usual amount of neck, which came in very useful as she spent so much of her time craning over garden fences, spying on the neighbors too. The Dursleys had a small son called Dudley, and in their opinion, there was no fire boy anywhere. The Dursleys had everything they wanted, but they also had a secret, and their greatest fear was that somebody would discover it. They didn't think they could bear it if anyone found out about the Potters. Mrs. Potter was Mrs. Dursley's sister, but they hadn't met for several years, in fact. Mrs. Dursley d- pretended she didn't have a sister, because her sister and her good-for-nothing husband were so as so as as it was possible to be. The Dursleys shuddered to think What the neighbors would say if the Potters arrived in the street. The Jerseys knew that the Potters had a small son, too, but they had never even seen him. This boy was another good reason for keeping the Potters away. They didn't want Dudley mixing with a child like that. When Mr. and Mrs. Jersey woke up on the dull gray Tuesday, our story starts. There was nothing... About, that, about the about the cloudless sky outside to suggest that strange and mysterious things would soon be happening all over the country. Mr. Dursley hummed as he picked out his most boring tie for work, and Mrs. Dursley gossiped away happily as she wrestled a screaming Dudley into his high chair. None of them noticed a large tawny owl flutter past the window at half-past 8. Mr. Dursley picked up his briefcase, pecked Mrs. Dursley on the cheek, and tried to kiss Dudley goodbye, but missed, because Dudley was now having a tantrum and throwing his cereal at the walls. Little talk, Chor told Mr. Dursley. As he left the house, he got into his car and backed out of number four's drive. It was it was on the corner of the street, that he noticed the first sign of something peculiar—a cat reading a map. For a second, Mister Dursley didn't realize what he had seen. Then he jerked his head around to look back again, to look to look again. There was a tabby cat standing on the corner of Privet Drive, but there wasn't a map in sight. What could be? What could? he had been thinking of it must have been a trick of the light mr dursley blinked and stared at the cat it stared back as mr dursley drove around the corner and up the road he watched the cat in his mirror it was now reading the sign that said private drive no looking at the sign cats couldn't read maps or signs mr dursley gave himself a little shake and put the cat out of his mind As he drove toward town, he thought of nothing except a large order of drills he was hoping to get that day. But on the edge of town, drills were driven out of his mind by something else. As he sat in the usual morning traffic jam, he couldn't help noticing that there seemed to be a lot of strangely dressed people about. People in clothes. Mr. Dursley couldn't bear people who dressed in funny clothes the get-ups you saw young people he supposed this was some stupid new fashion he drummed his fingers on the steering wheel and his eyes fell on a huddle of these weirdos standing quite close by they were whispering excitedly together mr dursley was enraged to see that a couple of them were young at all why that man had to be older than he was and wearing an emerald green cloak the nerve of him but then it struck mister Dursley that this was probably some silly stunt. These those these people were obviously collecting for something. Yes, that would be it. The traffic moved on, and a few minutes later mister Dursley arrived in the grunning sparking line, his mind back on drills. Mr Dursley always sat with his back to the window in his in his office on the ninth floor. At Hatton he might have found it harder to concentrate on Joe's that morning. He didn't see the owls swooping past in broad daylight, though people down in the street did. They pointed and gazed, open mouthed, as owl after owl sped overhead. Most of them had never seen an owl, even at nighttime. Mr. Dursley, however, had a perfectly normal, owl-free morning. He yelled at five different people. He made several important telephone calls and shouted a bit more. He was in a very good mood until lunchtime, when he thought he'd stretch his legs and walk across the road to buy himself a bun for the bakery. He'd forgotten all about the people in cloaks until he passed a group of them next to the baker's. He eyed them angrily as he passed. He didn't know why, but they made him uneasy. This bunch, were whispering excitedly too, and it couldn't see a single collecting tin. It was on his way back past them, clutching a large doughnut in a bag. Thought he caught a few words of what they were saying. The vultures. That's right. That's what I heard. Yes, they're so heavy. Mister Dursey stopped dead. Fear flooded him. Fear flooded him. He looked back at the whisper, at the whisperers as if he wanted to say something to them, but thought better of it. He dashed back across the road, hurried up to his office, snapped at his secretary not to disturb him, seized his phone, and had almost finished dialing his home phone number when he changed his mind. He put the receiver back down and stroked his mustache, thinking, No, he was being stupid. Potter wasn't such an unusual name. He was sure there were lots of people called Potter who had a son called Harry. Come to think of it, he wasn't even sure his nephew was called Harry. He never even seen the boy. It might have been Harvey or 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 Harold. There was no point in worrying Mrs. Dursley. She always got to, got so upset at any mention of her sister. He didn't blame her, if he ha, if he'd had a sister like that. But all the same, those people in cloaks. He found it a little harder to concentrate on Gerald that afternoon. And when he left that building at five o'clock, he was still so worried that he walked straight into someone just outside the door. Sorry, he grunted. As the tiny old man stumbled and almost fell, it was a few seconds before Mrs. Darcy realized that the man was wearing a violet cloak. He didn't seem at all upset at being almost knocked on the ground. On the contrary, his face lit into a <laughs> wide smile, and he said in a squeaky voice that made passersby stare, Don't be sorry, my dear, sir, for nothing could upset me today. Rejoice, for you know who has gone at last. Even muggles like yourself should be celebrating this happy, happy day. And the old man hugged Mr. Dursley around the middle and walked off. Mr. Dursley stood rooted to the spot. He had been hugged by a complete stranger. He also thought he had been called a muggle. Whatever that was. He was rattled. He hurried to his car and set off for home. Oh, hoping, he was imagining things which he had never hoped before because he didn't approve of imagination. As he pulled into the driveway of Number Four, the first thing he saw, and it didn't improve his mood, was the tabby cat he had spotted that morning. It was now sitting on his garden wall. He was sure it was the same one. It had the same markings around its eyes. Shoo! said Mr. Dursley loudly. The cat didn't move. It just sat, it just gave him a stern look. Was this normal cat behavior? Mr. Dursley wondered, trying to pull himself together. He let himself into the house. He was still determined not to mention anything to his wife. Mrs. Dursley had had a nice and normal day. She told him over dinner all about Mrs. Next Door's problems with her daughter and how Dudley had learned a new word, Root, Root, Mr. Dursley tried to act normally. When Dudley had been put to bed, I went into the living room in time to catch the last report on the evening news. And, and finally, bird watchers everywhere have reported that the nation's owls have been behaving very unusually today. Although, owls Normally hunt at night, and are hardly ever seen in daylight. There have been hundreds of sightings of these birds flying in every direction since sunrise. Experts are unable to explain why the owls have suddenly changed their sleeping pattern. The newscaster allowed himself a grin. Most mysterious. And now over to Jim McGuffin with the weather. Going to be any more showers of owls tonight, Jim? Well, Chad said the weather woman, the weather man, I don't know about that, but it's not only the owls that have been acting over today. Viewers as far apart as Kent, Yorkshire, and Dundee have been phoning in to tell me that instead of the rain I promised yesterday, they've had a downpour of shooting stars people's perhaps people have been celebrating bonfire night early It's not into next week folks it's not into next week folks but i can promise a wet night tonight mr dursley sat frozen in his armchair shooting stars all over britain owls flying by daylight mysterious people in cloaks all over the place and a whisper in a whisper about the potters. Mrs. Dursley came into the living room carrying two cups of tea. It was no good. He'd have to say something to her. He cleared his throat, <clears> throat> nervously. Er, uh, Petunia, dear, you haven't heard from your sister lately, have you? As he ex- As he had expected, Mrs. Dursley looked shocked and angry. After all, they normally pretended she didn't have a sister. No, she said sharply. Why? Funny news, funny stuff on the news, Mister Dursley mumbled. Owls, shooting stars, and there were a lot of funny-looking people in town today. So, snapped Mrs. Dursley. Well, I just thought maybe it was something to do with, you know. Her crowd. Mrs. Dursley sipped her tea through pursed lips. Mr. Dursley wondered whether he dared tell her he heard the the name Potter. He decided he didn't dare. Instead, he he said as casually as he could, Their their son, he'd be about Dudley's age now, wouldn't he? I suppose so, said Mrs. Dursley stiffly. What's his name again? Howard, isn't it? Harry! Nasty common name, if you ask me. Oh, yes, said Mr. Dursley, his heart sinking horribly. Yes, I quite agree. He didn't say another word on the subject as they went upstairs to bed. While Mrs. Dursley was in the bathroom, Mr. Dursley crept to the bedroom window and peered down into the front garden. The cat was still there. It was staring down Privet Drive as though it were waiting for something. Was he imagining things? Could all this have anything to do with the Potters? If it did, if it got out that they were related to a pair of well, he didn't think he could have bear it. The Dursleys got into bed. Mrs. Dursley fell asleep quickly, but Mr. Dursley lay awake. Turning, turning, Mister Dursley lay awake, turning it all over in his mind. His last comforting thought before he fell asleep was that even if the Potters were involved, there was no reason for them to come near him and Mrs. Dursley. The Potters knew very well what he and Petunia thought about them and their kind. He couldn't see how he 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 couldn't see how he and Petunia could get mixed up in anything that might be going on he yawned and turned over it couldn't affect them how very wrong he was mr dursley might have been drifting into an uneasy sleep but the cat on the wall outside was showing no sign of sleepiness it was sitting as still as a statue its eyes fixed unblinkingly on the far corner of privet drive and didn't so much as quiver when a car door slammed on the next street Nor when two owls swooped overhead. In fact, it was nearly midnight before the cat moved at all. A man appeared on the corner the cat had been watching. Appeared so suddenly and silently, you would have thought he just popped out of the ground. The cat's tail twitched and its eyes narrowed nothing like this man had ever been seen on privet drive he was tall thin and very old judging by the silver of his hair and beard which were both long enough to tuck into his belt he was wearing long robes a purple cloak that swam to the ground and high-heeled buckled boots his blue eyes were light bright and sparkling behind half-moon spectacles and his nose was very long, and, crooked as though it had been broken at least twice. This na- this man's name was Albus Dumbledore. Albus Dumbledore didn't seem to realize that he had just arrived in a street where everything from his name to his boots was unwelcome. He was busy rummaging in his cloak, looking for something, he, but he did seem... "'to realize he was being watched, "'because he looked up suddenly at the cat, "'which was still staring at him "'from the other end of the street. "'For some reason, "'the sight of the cat seemed to amuse him. "'He chuckled and muttered, "'I should have have known!' He, "'He found what he was looking for "'in his inside pocket.' It seemed to be a silver cigarette lighter. He flicked it open, held it up in the air, and flicked it. The nearest street lamp went out with a little pop. He flicked, it clicked it again, the next lamp flickered into darkness twelve times. He clicked the put-outer, until the only lights left on the whole street were two tiny pinpricks in the distance, which were the eyes which were the eyes of the cat watching him. If anyone looked out of their window now, even beady-eyed Mrs. Dursley, they wouldn't be able to see anything that was happening down on the pavement. Nomador slipped, the put outer back inside his cloak, and set off down the street toward number four, where he sat down on the wall next to the cat. He didn't look at it, but after a moment he spoke to it. "'Fancy seeing you here!' Professor McGonagall, he turned to smile at the tabby, but it had gone. Instead, he was smiling at a rather severe-looking woman, who was wearing square glasses exactly the shape of the markings the cat had had around its eyes. She, too, was wearing a cloak, an emerald one. Her black hair was drawn into a tight bun. She looked distinctly rough. How'd you know it was me? How'd you know it was me? she asked. My dear professor, I've never seen a cat sit so stiffly. You'd be stiff if you'd been sitting on a brick wall all day, said professor McGonagall. Oh, all day when you could have been celebrating? I must have passed a dozen feasts and parties on my way here. "'Professor McGonagall sniffed angrily. "'Oh, yes, everyone's celebrating all right,' she said impatiently. "'You'd think they'd be a bit more careful, but no. "'Even the Muggles have noticed something's going on. "'It was on their news.' "'She jerked her head back up the Dorothy's dark living room window. "'I heard it. Flocks the vowels. "'Shooting stars. "'Well, they're not completely stupid.' They were bound to notice something shooting stars down in Kent. I'll bet that was deadalistical. He never had had much sense. You can't blame them, said Dumbledore gently. We've had precious little to celebrate for eleven years. I know that, said Professor McGonagall irritably. But that's no reason to lose our heads. People are being downright careless out on the streets in broad daylight, not even dressed in muckle clothes, swapping rumors. She threw a sharp sideways glance at Dumbledore here, as though hoping he was going to tell her something, but he didn't. So she went on. A fine thing it would be if, on the very day you know who seems to have disappeared at last. The muggles found out about us all. I suppose he really has gone, Domador. It certainly has so. It certainly seems so, said Domador. We have much to be thankful for. Would you care for a lemon drop? A what? A lemon drop. They're a kind of muggle sweet I'm rather fond of. No, thank you said professor McGonagall coldly as though she didn't seem didn't think this was the moment for lemon drops as i say even if you know who has gone my dear professor surely a sensible person like yourself can call him by his name all this you know who nonsense for 11 years i have been trying to persuade people to call him by his proper name voldemort professor mcgonagall flinched but domador who was unsticking two lemon jobs seemed not to notice it all seems so confusing if we keep saying you-know-who i have never seen any reason to be frightened of saying voldemort's name i know you haven't said professor mcgonagall said professor mcgonagall "'Sounding half-exasperated, half-admiring, but you're different. "'Everyone knows you're the only one. "'You know who you know of a height, Votemort, was frightened of.' "'You flatter me,' said Dumbledore calmly. "'Votemort had powers that would never have, "'only because you're too, well, no more to use them.' "'It's lucky.' It's dark. I haven't blushed so much since Madame Bonfrey told me she liked my new earmuffs. Professor McGonagall shot a sharp look at Dumbledore and said, "The owls are, the owls are nothing next to the rumors. They are flying around. You know what you know what everyone's saying about why he has disappeared, about what finally stopped him." It seems that Professor McGonagall had reached the point. Uh, sorry, it seems that Professor McGonagall had reached the point. She was almost anxious to discuss the real reason she had been waiting on a cold, hard wall all day. For neither as a cat nor as a woman had she fixed Dumbledore with such a piercing stare as she did now. It was plain that whatever everyone was saying. She was not going to believe it until Domodore told her. It was true. Domodore, however, was choosing was choosing another lemon drop and did not answer. What what they're saying, she pressed on. Is that the last night Voldemort turned up in Godric's Hollow? He went to find the porters. The rumor is that Lily, Lily, Lily and James Porter are, are, that they're, they're dead? Dumbledore bowed his head. Professor McGonagall gasped, Lily and James? I can't believe it. I didn't want to believe it. Oh, Albus. Elmodora reached out and patted her on the shoulder. "'I know, I know,' he said heavily. Professor McGonagall's voice dre- sorry, trembled as she went on. "'That's not all. They're saying he tried to kill the Potter's son, Harry, but he couldn't. He couldn't kill that little boy. No one knows why or how, but they're saying that when he couldn't kill Harry Potter,' Voldemort's power somehow broke and that's why he's gone dumbledore nodded glumly it's it's true faltered faltered professor mcgonagall after all he's gone he's done after all the people he's killed he couldn't kill a little boy it's just astounding of all the things to stop him but how in the name of heaven did harry survive ''We can only guess,'' said Dumbledore. ''We may never know.'' Professor McGonagall pulled out a lace handkerchief and dabbed at her eyes beneath her spectacles. Dumbledore gave a great sniff as he took a golden watch from his pocket and examined it. It was a very odd watch. It had twelve hands but no numbers. Instead, little planets were moving around the edge. ''It must it must have made sense to Dumbledore,'' though because he put it because he put it back in his pocket and said, Hagrid's late. I suppose it was he who told you I'd be here, by the way. Yes, said Professor McGonagall, and I don't suppose you're going to tell me why you're here of all places. I've come to bring Harry to his aunt and uncle. You're there, the... there the only family he has left now. "'You don't mean, you can't mean, the people who live here?' cried Professor McGonagall, jumping to her feet and pointing at number four. "'Dumberjaw, you can't. "'I've been watching them all day. "'You couldn't find two people who are less us, "'and they've got this son. "'I saw him kicking his mother all all the way up the street, screaming for his feet.' Harry Potter, come and live here. It's the best... <coughs> Excuse me, I'm so sorry, y'all. y'all can cut it out. Don't listen to that awkward burp. It's the best... It's the best place for him, said John Madure firmly. His aunt and uncle would be able to explain everything to him when he's older. I've written him... I've written him a letter. A letter, repeated Professor Professor McGonagall faintly, sitting back down on the wall. Really, Dumbledore? You think you can explain all this in a a letter? These people will never understand him. He'll be famous. A legend. I wouldn't be surprised if, if today was known as Harry Potter Day in the future. There will be books written about Harry. Every child in our world will know his name. Exactly, said Dumbledore, looking very seriously over the top of his half moon glasses. It would be enough to turn any boy's head. They before he can walk and talk. Famous for something he won't even remember. Can't you see how much better off he'll be? Growing up away from all that until he's ready to take it? Professor McGonagall opened her mouth, changed her mind, swallowed, and then said, Yes, yes, you're right, of course. But how is the boy getting here, Dumbledore? She she eyed his cloak suddenly, as though she thought he might be hiding Harry underneath, underneath it. Hagrid's bringing him. You think it wise to trust Hagrid with something as important as this? I will trust Hagrid with my life," said Dumbledore. "I'm not saying. I'm not saying his heart. Blah, blah, blah. Sorry. Repeat. I'm not saying his heart isn't in the right place," said Professor McGonagall druggingly drudgingly. drudgingly. But you can't pretend he's not careless. He does tend to... What was that? A low rum, a roll, a low, a roll, a low rumbling sound had broken the silence around them. It grew steadily louder as they looked up and down the street for some sign of a headlight. It swelled to a roar as they both looked up at the sky and a huge motorcycle fell out of the air and landed on the road in front of them. If the, motor- if the motorcycle was huge, it was nothing to the man sitting astride it. He was almost twice as tall as a normal man, and at least five times as wide. He looked simply too big to be allowed, and so wild. Long tangles of pushy black hair, and a beard hid most of his face. He had hands the size of trash can lids, and his feet, in their leather boots, were like baby were like baby dolphins. In his vast muscular arms, he was holding a bundle of blankets. Hagrid," said Dumbledore, sounding relieved. At last, and where did you get that motorcycle? Borrowed it, borrowed it, Professor Number sir, said the giant, climbing carefully off the motorcycle as he spoke. Young, young, serious black lent it to me. I've got him, sir. No problems, were there? No, sir. House was almost destroyed, but I got him out all right. Before the muggles started swarming around, he fell asleep as he was flying over Bristol. Dumbledore, Dumbledore and Professor McGonagall leant forward over the bundle of blankets. Inside, just visible, was the baby boy, fast asleep. Under a tuft of jet black hair, over his forehead, they could see a curiously shaped cut like a bolt of lightning. "'Is that way whispered Professor McGonagall. Yes, said Dumbledore. He'll, He'll have that scar forever. Couldn't you do anything, couldn't you do something about it, Dumbledore? Even if I could, I wouldn't. Scars can come in handy. I have one myself, above my left knee. That is a perfect map of the London Underground. Well, give him here, Hagrid. We better get this over with, Dumbledore took Harry in his arms and turned toward the Dursley's house. "'Could I... could I say goodbye to him, sir?' asked Hagrid. He bent his great shaggy head over Harry and gave him what must have been a very scratchy, whiskery kiss. Then suddenly Hagrid let out a howl like a wounded dog. "'Shh!' hissed Professor McGonagall. "'You'll wake the muggles!' sir... sir sorry!' sobbed Hagrid, talking taking out a large spotted handkerchief and burying his face in it but i c- c- can't stand it lily and james dead and poor little harry offered to live with muggles yes yes it's all very sad but get a grip on yourself Hagrid, or we'll be found professor mcgonagall whispered patting Hagrid gingerly on the arm as Domodore stepped over the low garden wall and walked to the front door he laid harry gently on the doorstep took a letter out of his cloak tucked it, in, tucked it inside harry's blankets and then came over to the other two for a full minute the three of them stood and looked at the little bundle haggard's shoulders shook professor mcgonagall blinked furiously and the twinkling light that usually shone from Domodore's eyes seemed to have gone out well said domador finally that's that we've no business staying here we may as well go and join the celebrations yeah said hagrid in a very muffled voice i'd best get this bike away good night professor mcgonagall professor professor domador sir Wiping his streaming eyes on his jacket sleeve, Haggard swung himself onto the, onto the motorcycle and kicked the engine onto, into life. With a roar, it rose into the air and off into the night. I shall see you soon, I expect, Professor McGonagall, said Dumbledore, nodding to her. Professor McGonagall blew her nose in reply. Dumbledore turned and walked back down the street. On the corner he stopped and took out the silver put He clicked it once and twelve balls of light sped back to the street lamps so that Privet Drive glowed suddenly orange and he could make out a tabby cat slinking around the corner at the other end of the street. He could just see the bundle of blankets on the step of number four. Good luck, Harry, he, mu- he murmured. He turned on his heel and with a swish of his cloak, he was gone. A breeze ruffled the neat hedges of Private Drive, which lay silent and tidy under the inky sky, the very last place you would expect astonishing things to happen. Harry Potter rolled over inside his blankets without waking up. One small hand closed on the letter beside him, and he slept on. Not knowing he was special, not knowing he was famous, not knowing he would be he would be woken in a few hours' time by Mrs. Dursley's scream as she opened the front door to put out the milk bottles, nor that he would spend the next few weeks being prodded and pinched by his cousin Dudley, he couldn't know that at this very moment people meeting in secret all over the country were holding up their glasses. And saying in hushed voices to Harry Potter, the boy who lived. All right, y'all. That is the end of the first chapter, The Boy Who Lived, of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Yes. So every week I will be starting the chapters. Um, probably next week I am going on vacation. I'm going to be taking a week from it. Um, probably two weeks or three weeks time on Tuesday or Friday. I will upload another video. Sorry, I'm stupid. Another episode and it will be chapter two, the vanishing glass. So that is the. Quote unquote end of the first chapter, and now it is time for a shout out. A shout out. Woohoo! Woohoo! A shout out. Woohoo! Woohoo! Alright, guys. So today's shout out goes to Miss Liza Koshi. Liza so, Liza Koshi is a YouTuber, actress, TV host, star host, and one of my favorite icons and YouTubers. Um, she really has shaped me by um, unwillingly showing what comedy really is and opening up to yourself. And especially when I watched her YouTube series, um, Biza On Demand. When watching Liza On Demand, the show opened me up to my own identity, knowing who I am, be yourself, don't be yourself at certain times, but be you. Be you. Be the true you, who you feel inside. But Liza Koshy, and all in all, I love her videos. She's an amazing person. She's on so much TV shows. She's hosted a lot of things. And Liza, if you are tuning into the podcast, if you are, hey girl. If you're not, it's okay. I'm just giving you all a shout out and it's going to be a great day. And so, yes, Liza, love you, girl. So, that is our shout out. Shout out, guys, for this week's episode. And so, this will conclude the first episode. Technically, uh, the first episode of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. Audiobook. And I will see y'all next week. Sorry, I will see y'all in two weeks' time for Chapter 2, The Vanishing Glass. Bye y'all, y'all. See y'all next week.